Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13 there. We're going to talk some things about it. Uh, my, I, that's right. All the junior high, you guys can take off. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, I'm glad they just jump up and do that. They don't want to hear me anyway, so it's all good. Uh, so no, it's good. Um, my title this morning is a little bit long, but it's a little bit interesting because it's, uh, you know, really the, right now is there's no time to wait or no time to waste uh, because now is our time. And when you understand that, I'm just going to share with you, I believe that this is the church's finest hour. I really believe it's our time to shine. It's our time to let the world know how powerful we are. Amen. How wonderful we are, how full of love we are, but we're strong love. Amen. We're going to speak the truth. So we've got the truth. So it's something that we need to take hold of. And uh, we don't have any time to waste or we don't have any time to wait. You know, I was going to title it Wait and Waste, but I figured nobody would get that. So I figured we needed to do some things here. Because how many of you know the Bible says in, in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 14 in the Amplified Bible, it says the strong spirit of a man shall sustain him, you know, in times of bodily pain and in trouble. But a weak spirit who can bear, who can raise up. And many times, you know, we're told as the church to be strong in the Lord. We're told to be strong. We're told to, come on, stand up. Come on, do these things. Get strength and do this. But many times we're not told how to do it. How do you get strength? How do you not, you know, because in, in waiting on the Lord, it's not waiting, sitting there, not doing anything. Waiting on the Lord is like you're the servant. You're like the waitress or the waiter. You're waiting on the Lord. You're, you're taking his orders and you're putting it out and doing it in the earth today. Because God's always speaking. He's always speaking through the, the person of the Holy Spirit. And he's wanting us, hallelujah, to stand up and let our light shine. And he's wanting us to receive all the things that he says we should receive. In the book of Acts, we read about these guys. And, and we know that anytime somebody writes a book or anytime somebody gets uh, and, and publishes anything or gets on social media, they're giving you their best. They're giving you the good side. They're not telling you anything about the bad side. You know, unless they're just depressed and they want you to know that and feel sorry for them, okay? You know, there are those folks there, but you don't usually read those. You always want to hear the success stories and the heroes and, and what goes on there. But God's desire for us is to be the church. It's to be the body of Christ. Amen? And so I'm going to challenge you this morning because, listen, there are those that are around you. They need your strength. Amen? The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, it says, in the very first verse, it says, those that are spiritual, restore those that have fallen. Those that are spiritual, restore. Amen? There's a lot of restoration that needs to go on because we need every man involved in the war in the army because we're fighting a battle. There's a battle. We've got an enemy arrayed against us and he has raised up, he has, he has intensified, he has made it more intense, he is, you know, jumping up and wanting to say his ugly stuff, we need to rise up and declare ours, amen? So here in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, we all know this scripture, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. But the problem with the body of Christ, many times we don't let Christ strengthen us. Or we don't know what it means to be strong in the Lord. You know, Ephesians says, in Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I tell people, listen, you need to declare you're strong, but I don't feel strong. Of course you don't feel strong because you're not. And you never will be. 
Sorry about that. Even on your best day, you can't impress God. But you're not supposed to be strong in you. You're supposed to be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. It doesn't say be strong in yourself and the power of yourself. It says be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. Is that strengthened you on the inner man? You know, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, I'm going to read it to you out of the NLT. He says, when I think of the wisdom and the scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength. Amen. Through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust him more and more and more. May your roots go down deep in the soil of God's marvelous love and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. And may you experience, hallelujah, the love of Christ. Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it, but then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I'm going to read that one again. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. And may he be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever through endless ages. Amen. Amen. My desire is for you to finish. I believe that's, that's, you know, as a pastor, that's what we want to do. We want our sheep to finish and finish strong. We want people born into the, get people born again. We want people to grow up because we want to tend to you. The greatest joy, like the apostle John said in, in, in third John, he said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in the truth. Isn't it as a parent, isn't it no greater joy to know your children actually made a right decision? You know, not stupid. It's like, oh my gosh, they're growing up. They made a good decision. Glory to God. This is awesome. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Because remember the Apostle Paul writing to the church at, at Ephesus there. Uh, but anyways, in the book of Acts, he was talking to this and he shared, he said, listen, I've been this, with you these, these years and he's talking to them. And he said, I'm so glad that what's going on. He said, but here's what he said. I, you know, I, I want to finish. I want you guys to finish. I want you to, he commends them unto them in, in Acts chapter 20. But in Acts chapter 20 and 24, he, he says this. He, he basically says, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to me in verse 23. He said, but everywhere I go, I'm going to get thrown in jail and beaten up. Other than that, that's my life. Isn't that a wonderful to have a vision from God that you're going to get thrown in jail and beat up everywhere you go. And you're still going to go. Amen. But then he said this. He said in verse 24, he said, but none of these things move me. Wow. He said, none of these things move me. He said, I don't count my life dear unto myself. He goes, what I want to do is I want to finish my race with joy or I want to finish my course. And it's so funny. He says, I want to finish my course with joy in the King James. Others say, I want to finish my race with joy. But then he says, and the ministry. He didn't say it was joy in the ministry. He said, and the ministry. He says, joy in life, but then you got ministry, which is servanthood. He said, which I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God, because God's grace is sufficient. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you really glad for God's grace that it's sufficient? No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's transpired, no matter what's taking place, God's grace is sufficient. But here's the thing. Why are we not experiencing? 
experiencing the revival or the power and the present more than we should. We are doing, God's doing good things. He's, he's blessing you as much as you'll let him. He is anointing you as much as you'll let him. He is supplying all the needs as much as you'll let him. He is showing you things to come as much as you let him. But one of the things, you know, that um, we've been talking back and forth a lot of things and, and, and sharing a lot of truths and stuff because of a lot of things coming on, as we always do. <clears throat> but the Lord just began to deal with my heart. He said, I want my children to be empowered. I want them to understand the power of the spirit of God. I want them to return after every test and every trial. I want them to be like my son, Jesus, who returned in the power of the spirit after he was tempted of the devil for 40 days. After every trial, after every bad experience, after everything you're going through, he wants you to return in power. He wants you to have power. And one thing about it is this, is that your power is, is, is tied to the joy that you have of the Lord. Now let's, 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 let's change the word Lord to the word, word of God. And, and it doesn't do anything because the Bible says in John, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word is Jesus. So it doesn't do any injustice. It says you are empowered by the joy of the word. You are empowered by that understanding and grabbing a hold of the word of God. But you know what happens to us is that we allow our past and we allow the enemy to continually keep overshadowing us or keep bombarding us with junk from the past. How to do that. Instead of forgiving ourselves or forgiving the things that are around us, and it continually makes you weak. It continually makes you not feel like, hey, I'm good enough or in condemnation or guilt. How do you remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3? He said, you know... <clears throat> Not that I've apprehended, not that I've got anything or not that I've done, but this one thing I do. What is the one thing he does? I forget everything behind me. I forget all of the past. I forget it all. Amen. And I press toward the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. See, because strength of spirit, because I know people say, well, just be strong. Just be strong in the Lord. Or you have somebody tell you, oh, just forgive, just forgive. You say, how? I want to punch them out. I want to kill them. <laughs> I know, you know, you guys are all saintly. You never, people say, Pastor, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't say you, well, you, you think it. You just never, I can say it. I don't have, the Lord knows, knows my heart. I do. I want to punch some folks out, but I don't. I love them. I have such a love of heart. I do, you know. I don't, I don't say everything I think, and I don't do everything I want to do. I restrain. I tell, I say, down dog, down dog, down dog. You know, my flesh rises up. It's down dog, down dog. Stop. Stop. But see, here's what happens to weak, weak believers are like this. When they make mistakes or they fail, they fall back into condemnation and guilt and, and, and they get defeated. See, strong believers, you know, when they make mistakes and fail, because we all do, they're very quick to forgive and very quick to ask for forgiveness. And then the weak believers get mad at them, say, well, I don't think they're sorry. Look, at they don't look sorry. <laughs> They didn't act like sorry. I mean, look at that. They just asked God to forgive them. They got, and they act like they didn't even do anything. But you know, one of the things about weak believers is this. Most weak believers never confess their sins to God. They only tell me they have a problem. They only say, God, you know. God, you know, I got this situation. Uh, you know, I got this problem over here. You know, God, this, you know what's going on in my life. You know what's going on. 
Instead of saying, God, I sinned. I sinned this. I lied. I didn't tell the truth. I did this. God, I allowed my temper. I allowed anger to come. I allowed this to happen. Instead of confessing their sin and getting it out there so the devil can't use it against you. So you got to get it out there. You got to get it out there. And then you got to say, woo, 1 John 1, 9 says, if I confess it, God will forgive me. He'll cleanse me from all of right? He'll put it in the sea of forgetfulness. He'll put it as far as the east is from the west. They never meet. Glory to God. It means I'm clean. I'm holy. And I can keep going. Amen. See, what made David the apple of God's eye? A man after God's own heart. David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. David caused 85,000 people to get killed in the space of three hours because he wanted to number his kingdom and wasn't his kingdom. He caused all that. How many people have killed 85,000 people? You know, probably hopefully you haven't killed anybody. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, but, but anyways, anyways, we look at this and we see this, but what happens is, is that the enemy has just been bombarded and he's kept the church weak. He's kept us thinking that, yeah, but pastor, you know me. I said, yeah, I know. You're a mighty man and woman of God. I know that God's gifting is in you. God's powers, God's got things in you that you haven't even tasted and seen yet. God's got things he wants you to say, wants you to speak. God's got things he wants to use you in. This is your finest hour. This is your hour to shine to the, to the world, to the body of Christ, to let God touch you. Amen? But here's the thing. How many of you know that God loves consistency more than intense effort? People can get really intense and really good for about an hour. (laughs) But if you're going to pray for an hour, man, you can lose a lot of folks if you're going to pray for an hour. I mean, if we said, okay, we're going to stop right here, we're going to pray for five minutes here, some of you would be like, oh my God, when is this going to get over? Amen. How many of you ever had to do something for like, okay, they tell you, okay, you got to do this and you got to do it for 20 minutes. That's the longest 20 minutes of your life. You're like, oh my God, surely it's been 20 minutes. No, it's only been four. You know, I never sit still. I don't. And so for me to have to sit still to do something recently, I had to do that. Oh my gosh. I was like, I'm looking at the clock like, oh my gosh, that's the longest minute I've ever seen. You got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. See, because I asked myself, what does it mean to be strong in the Lord? Well, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. So my strength is in connection to how much joy is there. And joy is a, a, a fruit of the spirit. So it's not about happiness. It's about joy. It's about something. The Bible says man has wisdom and joys. on. So man will draw up that joy. He'll draw up that stuff. And so joy is powerful. So if the joy of the Lord is our strength, which means, and we're supposed to be strong in his power and in his mind, be strong in the Lord and be strong or strong in the word and in the power of the might of the word of God is so that when we see what the word of God says, when we hear what the, when God gives us a scripture, he does things, we receive it. How many of you know you don't have to do penance, but you do have to do repentance? You know, there's a big difference in that. How I many you don't know? If you don't know what penance is, means you're, you're going to crawl on your knees. You're going to do, you're going to show God how, how, how sorrowful you are. You really want to, you're just going to get into it, you know. And, uh, uh, but repentance means you repent. 
You literally ask God to forgive you and you turn around and you go 180 and you walk a different way. Because repentance is the way out. Most of the people don't want to repent. Most people, you know, they don't want to repent. They're just sorry they got caught. Because what is God's definition of strength? You ever ask yourself that? What is God's definition of strength? Where did he say you're strong? Hallelujah. He told you all, all in the Bible and strength. He said, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. And they shall run and not faint. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. God equates strength, hallelujah, with the strength of your spirit and the strength of your faith in the word of God, hallelujah, that you're trusting him. Amen. Remember he told Abraham, what did he tell Abraham? Abraham was strong in faith. What did Abraham add? He had two wonderful things. He could praise God and he could trust God. He said, I'm going to give glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. I'm going to give glory to God because I believe that what God said, he's able to do it. Had nothing to do with what Abraham could do. He wasn't being strong in his own strength. Abraham and Sarah had nothing to do in the sense of the natural things to create Isaac. Amen. God was supernaturally doing that. Amen. God supernaturally in them gave them the strength, gave them the ability. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And we, we see the hand of God. We see what God is doing here. Because, you know, <laughs> when you look at it, and that's the thing about it. Most Christians, we don't dare get too happy. We don't dare let joy be what it's supposed to be. Because we think, because how many people get mad at you when you're happy? People, you know, you put things on. Here's the God's blessing you're doing. People get jealous. They get frustrated. Well, you, I guess you have a right. You ever have somebody tell you that? I guess you have a right to be happy. They're just trying to put guilt on you. Like, is there something wrong? Did I do something wrong? I mean, Lord, am I, am I not supposed to be happy? Am I supposed to be sorrowful? How many of you know that you can never really be too joyful if you're really in joy? Now, you can do a lot of things in the flesh, but if you're really truly in joy, you can never be too joyful. And we're not talking about an action in the sense of this. We're talking about something that's on the inside of you that bubbles up. We're talking about something, and everybody's going to have a different reaction, and everybody's going to have a different response and things. But what I'm sharing with you, see, the Bible says this is the way God equates joy is that when you trust him, when you believe him, I mean, what thrilled Jesus? What made Jesus go, wow, I am not somebody having faith to believe far greater. And Jesus rejoices because of the joy that they have. Amen? We see the hand of God. We see this in here. You know, he gave him glory. We see this. Hallelujah. We see what God wants to do for us. See, when you're truly allow God, and, and it's not just about a manifestation, but it's about doing some things. And, you know, we need to worship God every day. He deserves our worship every day. He deserves our praise. We should be worshiping God and praising God every day, no matter what. Hallelujah. He's worthy. He is worthy. Amen. And we should be talking to him. I mean, shouldn't we be talking to him every day? He's the one that directs our steps. He's our Lord. If he's supposed to be our Lord and Savior, hallelujah, means he's supposed to direct our life. He's supposed to share what to do and how to do it. Amen. Lord, we know we go to work. We know, but, you know, we need to be talking to him. We need to be able to pray. We need to have fellowship with him. Because that's the thing that build us up. 
that change us. And see, now, because the devil has raised his stuff, because of what he's doing, because he's escalated, we as the church, we don't have any more time. We don't have any more time to be a spectator church. We don't have any more time to be sitting in the stands. It's all hands on deck. It's every man on the lifeboat. It's every man in the field. We're playing. Hallelujah. And we got to listen to the coach. I mean, we got to listen to the Holy Spirit who's telling us what to do and how to do this and how to do this, you know? Because what I found out most of the time, when we're spiritually weak, it's because we have spiritual inconsistency. It means we haven't done things right. Amen? And see, for me and my own self, I know that when the enemy attacks my body or attacks, I have to always check out, okay, Lord, time out. What, did I, what didn't I do or what have I done? And most of the time, I haven't done anything wrong. It's what I didn't do. Amen? It's because he's asked me to do something and I didn't finish or I didn't start it or I didn't do what he said to do. So I opened the door because I'm in disobedience. You know, God will judge you just the same as sin of omission as he does a sin of commission. Sin of commission, I mean, that's what you do. Sin of omission, that's what you don't do. <laughs> Some people have the thoughts, about if I just don't do anything, I don't say anything, then the devil won't bother me. <laughs> He's going to be mean no matter what, okay? Nobody can, nobody can say anything if they don't ever hear me say anything. But you see, God wants you to have strength in your spirit, but not only in your spirit. He wants you to have strength in your soul. He wants you to have strength in your, in your mind, your will, and your emotions. Amen? He wants you to have this. He desires you know, to do this because God... God wants you to be everything he wants you to be. God has a plan. He has a purpose. He wants to wrap this thing up. He wants to have a great harvest of people born into the kingdom of God. And he wants the church to be the brightness that he's called us to be. The man, you can run to the church and get healed. You can run to the church and get set free. You can run to the church and get forgiveness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You can run. Hallelujah. I like the New Living Translation of Philippians chapter 3. Let me read this to you. I like this because I like what it says here. He said, this is verses 12 through 14. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or I've already reached perfection. Paul talking about I haven't been apprehended for that which I've been apprehended. He said, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me to be. What he saved me for and what he wanted me to be. I mean, I read a book one time which says, listen, God didn't just save you to save you. He's qualifying you for a position in heaven. So start getting qualified. Because there's things you're going to do. And I said, whoa, I need, to get, I need to get in position here. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I handle this? How do I do this? He said this, no, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be. But I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for what God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. Amen. One of the things about it, if you don't get anything else today, get this. Let your past die. Let's crucify it. You might have did what they said you did, but you are not who they say you are. Okay, you might have done all kinds of things. You might, all the different things. The devil's a liar. 
And if you've never confessed some of the things, get your deep, dark secrets and talk to God about it. Get it out there. And if that doesn't, you know, free you, go to the person you've offended. Go to the thing. Get it done. You know, back in the old days and different things, man, they'd say, okay, you know, they were going to pray for people, but then things would come up and they'd say, hey, I got this thing coming up. It's this, it's this, it's this. And they're like, so you need to go take care of that before you come. Amen. You need to take care of that with the power and the presence of God where people will come up and they want to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And they, but they had sin in their life and they had things that they hadn't done and, and they were doing crazy things. Like, no, you got to deal with that first. You got to deal with that first because we, we, we do an injustice just thinking God's going, you know, going to overlook things. No, you got to deal with stuff first. That's, that's why there's things happening in people's lives. Amen. We got to deal with things. So I'm not, but you know, you won't ever get set free unless you deal with it. You won't ever get set free unless you, most of the time, all you got to do is between you and God, you get you and God good. He'll tell you if you have to do anything else. He'll tell you if you have to do restitution. You know, that's in the Bible. What do you mean? I got to pay somebody back? What well, depends on how bad you stole? <laughs> Amen. Amen. It is. I mean, there's things, but God, God can still help you. God can still vindicate you. God can still good th- if, if you honor him. Amen. See, it takes being strong to move past your sins and mistakes. Now, you're not covering them over. You're annihilating them because you're getting rid of them. You're forgiving. You're getting them out in the open. Amen. And you're getting free. You can't be strong unless you're free. Because then the devil can't use anything against you. What did Jesus say? Satan has nothing in him, but he's coming and I'm freely given. He has nothing in him. He can't do anything. That's why Satan couldn't do anything. He had nothing to work on. Stop giving the devil places. Stop giving them places to work. Stop giving them things to work. Amen? Amen. Most Christians fall backwards instead of falling forward. I don't know if you ever read a book, but I read a book called Falling Forward. It's awesome. That's how when you make mistakes, make them count. (laughs) Fall forward. The Bible says, though the righteous fall, they shall arise. Though the righteous fall seven times, they shall arise. That doesn't mean you only get seven chances. That means get up. Every time you fall, get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. up. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I read a story that somebody sent one time. It was about a little boy running a race. And they were running a race. He's running down, downhill. And they're running. And, doing, and he's running. And he's looking and seeing his parents, seeing his dad in the, in the, in the stand, being so proud because he's running real fast. Looks like he's in the lead. He falls down, you know. Oh, man, but he gets back up. He starts running again, but he falls down again. He trips and falls, but he gets back up. He trips and falls again a third time. So now he's, you know, he's laughing. He comes in. He's dejected. He's just like, oh, my gosh, I did terrible. And he's so embarrassed. And his dad grabs him, and he loves him. And he can get that way. I was telling you, oh, no, no, no. He said, listen, it's not the falling down. It's that you got up, and you finished the race. You didn't quit. So many Christians have quit on God. They've quit and got, well, church isn't real anymore. Uh, God's not real anymore. It, the word doesn't work anymore. It doesn't seem like it's doing anything for me. It's because you quit. It's because you stop believing. You stop looking at it. You stop being strong and you let the enemy lie to you. Hallelujah. He lied to you because the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You are of God. Amen. Hallelujah. God's given this to us. Amen. That's why Paul told the Corinthians, he said, hey, listen, stand up. Quit being sissies. He did. He says, come on, be alert. Stand firm in faith. Come on, act like men. Be strong. Amen? 
That's what he said. Come on, stand up. Quit, you know, quit being weak. See, because here's what happens. When we mess up, we get out, and then the first thing we want to do is we want to run away from God. First thing we do is we don't want to go to church. First thing we don't want to be around anybody. I blew it. I messed up. You know, that's when you got to run to God and fall on the mercy. That's when you got to run to God and say, God, here I am. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Hallelujah. Because here's the thing, folks. Let me just share this. Wind this thing up here. If you don't preach, Jesus doesn't preach. If you don't lay hands on the sick, Jesus doesn't lay hands on the sick. If you don't prophesy, Jesus don't prophesy. Hallelujah. If you don't reach out and take hold, you're the body. He's the head. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He does everything he does on earth. He does through the body of Christ, through the church. Everything he does. Everything he does. God is saying, listen, he'll back you up if you believe it. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. I remember... uh, Brian Hicks' dad was a judge here in the county, and he's gone on to be with heaven. But he called me up one day. He said, hey, I got my secretary, got both of her arteries in her neck are completely clogged up, and, and they're, they're really saying, okay, would you come pray for her? And so I went down to the county courthouse here in Stockton, laid hands on and prayed for her, and God healed her. God opened it all up, and, which he believed they would. And obviously she did too, and I did too. So, you know, we all had faith to believe that. But he, it was funny. For here's a judge to say, hey, I want you to come down here and lay hands on somebody in the county courthouse. I said, I, I'm your man. Let's do this. Amen. <clears throat> I had somebody ask me a question one time. They had a, their, a brother of theirs got, got shot and killed, and, and they were like, the whole family was distraught. And they said, would you go down to the morgue here and pray that, you know, see if God will raise him from the dead? I said, yep, let's go. They wouldn't let us in, but uh, I would have done it. So I said, what do you, what do you think would happen? I don't know. You never know until you try. Amen. See, we have a tendency to get all concerned about what people are going to think, say, do, or what. I just like to say, well, what happens if it does happen? I, I, I'd rather step out and miss it than don't step out and miss it. I'd rather believe God, exercise my faith. I'd rather get a hold of the word of God and say, hey, let's do this. I'd rather do it. I'd rather look foolish doing the things of God than look foolish to God for not obeying. Amen. And we think that, but the Bible says God won't make us ashamed. The Bible says, the Bible says, listen, if you trust God, you will never be ashamed. You will never be made. Now, other people may look at you and they may think that, but you're not. You're going to be like, see, we need to start making the glow. We need to start stirring it up. Because listen, folks, just like I said, if we don't speak, Jesus can't speak. If we don't lay hands on the sick or if we don't go out, we got to be God's hands, his feet. We've got to be the body of Christ that God told us to be. Amen. We got to be strong. We got to stay strong. Hallelujah. We got to rise up and say, no, I'm not strong in my own strength. I can't do this, but God can. Because he gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. Because, you know, we're in a fight. We're in a war. I mean, the enemy's job is to stop you from completing your assignment. You say, well, I don't know what assignment I have. But see, that's the problem. Most Christians don't think that they're called. But believe it or not, every one of you is called. You know? Now, the, the key is, you know, the Bible says all are called, but few are chosen. What it simply means is, is that everybody in the body of Christ is called, but very few choose their calling to do it. 
And so it just simply means you being you. You don't have to be pastor, preacher. You just have to be you. Be ready to give an answer to every man that asks the reason of the hope. That and you got to be strong in the grace of God, in the love of God, in the joy of Listen, if you get full, you can't help but dump on somebody else. You know, we think that when we get full, we put things in and they spill over. We call that waste. God calls that abundance and he calls that the splash over effect. Let's just go out and allow God to give excess. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Because we've got some situations to get to. There's really only three things that are against you in the world today. Of course, number one's the devil. Amen. The second one is the world system. It's, it's just how they believe, how they've got things bottled up. It, 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 it's all, and thank God we're not in the world system. Thank God we don't have to be, we're not governed by that. God's got a better system. God's got a far better system than all that. Hallelujah. And, and guess who the other one is? You. You got the devil, the world, and yourself. Thank you for your overwhelming response. You didn't know you were your worst enemy, did you? Because... You know all your flaws. You know what you didn't do and should have done. You know all the things God spoke to your heart over the years. You know all. Listen, God never intended for you to know, uh, or, or when I say to know, God never intended for you to take an account of good and evil. He only intended for you to take account of him. He never, you know, he told Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree of good and evil. The tree of knowledge. Don't eat of that tree. It was good and evil. He didn't want you to eat that tree. He just wanted you to know him. Because you wouldn't even known good. You would have known him and you would have done good just because you know him. Not because it's good, but because he's speaking to you and he's leading you and he's showing you. See, the problem is we think, well, I know evil and I know good. So I know what I'm doing. I'm good. And have you know, good is not God and good is not the best because of what God says is the best. Yeah. Amen. And how have you know that we've got to replenish? We've actually got to renew ourselves. We've got to, because we can get run out. We're like, we can have, there's a lot of spiritual drains. We can get leaky holes in us. So we've got to plug those up. We've got to replenish our things that we do. Amen. I mean, isn't it amazing? Paul said that we're not ignorant of, of the Satan's devices. That, you know, who Satan, we're gonna, it says, you know, uh, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Amen. Then it says, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil or the methods or what, the way the devil comes in. And, the, and there's only one road travel. And that's what he does. He comes into your mind because he gets you to think and he gets you to look at yourselves. Like I said, you only have the devil who's trying to come against you. You have the world system of all the things going around that's trying to keep you, you know, boxed in here. And you got yourself thinking, well, I've got two enemies. I'm like, how can I do this? But you've got the greater one in you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You overcome the world by your faith. You overcome the devil by, by the uh, uh, you know, spirit of God or the word of God. Excuse me. We come by the word of God. And you overcome yourself by your own spirit. So if your spirit's not strong, that's where it's defeating you. Most people know, well, I know I can defeat the devil because of the word. It is written. I know the world. I overcome the world by faith. I'm believing God's going to meet my needs. I'm believing God's going to continue to give me jobs. God's going to continue to pro- all that kind of stuff. I'm believing that for overcoming the world system. But now we got to figure out how to overcome you. 
And the only way to overcome you is to become spirit strong. The only way to overcome you is to allow your spirit to tell your body to shut up. And say, mind, let's line up with the word of God. Let's renew our minds into the word of God. Because here it is. Paul told Timothy, when he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he said, listen, don't entangle yourselves in the affairs of life, but be as a good soldier. Amen? And we entangle ourselves in the affairs of life. We get ourselves all messed up. Hallelujah. And when we do that, we lay down our authority. Because we're greater than that. Now, Now, understand this. There's a big difference between taking, cares of, uh, taking care of the affairs of life than being entangled with them. Because, you know, as a pastor, you teach it, and people say, I don't even have to work anymore. I don't have to make care of God. going to do everything, and you're going to starve. Because the Bible says, another scripture says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Okay? So, but anyway, you have, to, you have to always go on the other side because people always take things to extreme. Listen, there's a big difference between taking care of the affairs of life than being entangled in it. And getting on, because when you do that, it wipes out your authority. It wipes out things. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, man. We've got to stay pumped up. We've got to stay powerful. We've got to stay ready. Because I believe that. Listen, God's a miracle working God. We talk, we sing about it. These songs are so good. And we worship. It's like, yes, I believe it. And because he does, he, he will. Listen, God's still doing all the miracles he's ever done. He's still, the power of God's still in the word. God's still healing. God's still delivering. God's, you know, I mean, I see this every single day. I got friends all around the world. God's doing miraculous things. Miracles. I mean, raising people from the dead. The blind are seeing. The lame are walking. God's doing supernatural things. I mean, thousands of people, hallelujah, are being born again. I mean, I mean, there's tent meetings going up all around uh, the United States and there's thousands of people being born again in a good old-fashioned tent meeting. I mean, a good old-fashioned four-hour tent meeting because I know these preachers. I've been in their meetings and they're old-line Pentecost and they don't care. They weigh you down and if you're sticking around long enough, you're definitely going to get saved. Hallelujah. The power and the presence of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Because there's a hunger, there's a desire. But folks, it's up to us whether we believe it or not. It's up to us whether we make ourselves, it's up to us whether we say, how to be strong in, how do I get, what does God say strength is, how to be strong in the Lord? Well, I'm going to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might because I'm going to be strong in his word. I'm going to be strong in believing what he's done. I'm just going to rest in him. And I'm going to walk out what he's done. And I'm going to listen to his voice. He's going to lead God and direct me. And I'm not going to get entangled. I'm going to take care of the affairs of life, but I'm not going to get entangled. They're not going to overcome me. And I'm going to tell me, listen, my spirit is strong. My mind is renewed. And body, you will shape up. And mind, you will come in line with the word of God. Hallelujah. Because the enemy's always trying to fly fish. He's always trying to throw thoughts into you. Listen, if you can think a thought, it just came up. If you think a thought that's contrary, I mean, it's, that you think something that's contrary to what you believe or contrary to even who you are, understand that you didn't think it. The enemy's out there trying to get you to, to look at, trying to get you to grab it. Because if he can get you to grab it and think, oh my God, how come I had that thought? Oh, how come I had that dream? Oh, how come I had this? Because what's he wanting to do? He's wanting to get you not to believe who you are in Christ. He's trying to get you to look at, look at you. You haven't gone anywhere. Look at you. You haven't grown that far. Amen. Look at you. Amen? 
And you have to say, wait, that's not my thought. That's not my thought. You need to have as much sense as the little kids when they know things. You know, and they know things supernaturally. They know, okay, well, that's not right. You know, I remember my little daughter in the car. All of a sudden, she's sitting back there. She's probably two years old. And she said, I'm not mad at you. I'm not. And she started talking. I said, what did that? Well, something said, I'm mad at you. I'm upset at you. But I'm not mad at you. I love you. And I thought, you lying devil. Man, you're picking on a little kid. Picking on a little bitty kid. But thank God she had childlike faith. Thank God that she had an understanding that, no, I'm not mad. I'm happy. She should have been happy. She got everything. <laughs> I mean, she had never a reason to be sad when she was with me. So that was a good thing. Now, my boys would have been a different story. They'd have been like, ah, I don't like you. But, but no, they wouldn't. They were precious too. You know, I, I pick on them a lot because they're boys. But you know what? Listen. God is still a miracle working God. God still wants to use you. God still has, listen, God still is exciting as he was in the book of Acts. Let's, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you. Lord, I just shared from my heart. I've shared what you spoke to my heart to share. And Lord, I believe it with all my heart. Believe that these folks are so precious. They are amazing. They are men and women of God. Father, you can use each and every one of them. Hallelujah. You can use anyone. They're ready to lay hands on the sick. They're ready, hallelujah, to speak a word in due season to him that is lost or him that is without hope or him that needs something encouraged. Father, they're ready. You're ready for those things. Father, your hand is upon them. Hallelujah. They've been taught. They know the word of God. And Father, thank you that they're forgiving themselves. The past is done. Today, we draw a line in the sand. And our past is gone. There's a new creature in Christ Jesus. We're going to walk victorious. We're going to keep moving forward. Hallelujah. And Father, we're not going to entangle ourselves in the affairs of life. We're going to take care of the affairs of life. We're going to take care of God's way supernaturally. We're going to watch God turn the tide. We're going to watch God give us favor. Favor goes before this congregation like a shield. Hallelujah. They have favor. God, you're just doing favor, favor, favor. You're just abounding in favor, Father God, because we just, your law, your law, the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. The world is governed by sin and death, but Father, we're governed by that law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Because of what you said. And the earth is yours and the fullness thereof. So that means you're going to meet and supply all of our needs, Lord. You got it handled. Lord, I thank you for that. Father, the greatest thing is we want people to be born into the kingdom of God. That's our heart's desire. The reason that you want us to be the church is so that those that are lost or those that have been downtrodden, those that have been bruised by spiritual blows, they'll come running and we can help them. We can bring them back and we can bring them in. Hallelujah. So if you're here this morning or if you're watching, God loves you. He loves you. He's not abandoned you. He's not forsaken you. You might have abandoned him. You might have forsaken him, but he's not. He's with you. He's for you. He wants you. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He can't take it back. Jesus died for us already. He died for the whole world. And so if you're here this morning, you need Jesus to be the Lord of your life, or you need to come home. Hallelujah. Let's all stand up for just a moment here. Hallelujah. Make it easier for you. But if you are here, because I'm going to do something a little different today, and then we're going to have our prayer team come forward to pray with you. But if you're here, and you know in your life that things aren't right, Man, I never understood people not wanting to 
come to God, run to God, allow God to be God. I, I never did in that sense. Uh, you know, when, when the spirit and the rivers are flowing, I've always wanted to jump in. I always like to be the first one in. But when God's speaking to your heart, let God touch you. So if you're here this morning and you know you need to get your life right with God, doesn't matter what's going on. We're not judging. Hallelujah. We're forgiving. We're receiving. Hallelujah. We'll let God be the judge. He's, he's the ultimate. But if you need to pray, you need to get your right so that you know for sure that you're going to make heaven. You know for sure that you're forgiven. And let's clean our past out of here. So I'm just going to invite you to come and pray at the altar. We're going to have a good old-fashioned if you wanted to come pray at the altar. Hallelujah. That's what this is. These are steps, but this is an altar. People say we took the altar bench out. All they did was take out a bench. You can still pray. You can still kneel. Hallelujah. You can still do things. And that's not, we're not trying to make anything happen. We're trying to let you understand. So when we have people in our, they come, because God wants you. God's heart. God's desire. Because I'm telling you, God's a miracle guy, and God's going to do miracles. You're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders in a lot of areas of people's lives. You're going to see healings because people are going to get free from the condemnation and guilt they've held on to. You're going to see people get healed because they're going to get forgiveness, and they're going to forgive those people that have hurt them. Hallelujah. You know, and you've got to do that. You've got to get free. Just got to. Don't, let, don't hold it in, to, and don't think God's holding anything against you. He's not. Remember what Paul said? If God be for us, who can be against us? So stop being against yourself because you're about to get stronger and stronger. Hallelujah. So the altar is open right now. We're just, I'm just going to pray one more time for you. If you want to come, you come. But then we'll have our, our prayer team come and, and they'll pray with you. They'll love on you. These are, they're awesome. Father, I thank you for the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. And you've commissioned us today to be strong. You've commissioned us today that there's no time to waste and no time to wait. Hallelujah. Because this is our hour and this is our time. We need to move forward in the things that you have. Oh, we do. We need to expect. We need to expect. Thank you, Father, that you heal the brokenhearted. You heal the brokenhearted. Hallelujah. Your love is so great. We thank you for that. We love you and praise you. Father, I honor you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the body of Christ at Harvest Bible Church. For all those watching, Lord, you're so good. So good. And Father, I thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen.